And finally, you've made it to your new favorite sports podcast. This is Couch Coaches. I'm Lacey. This is Drew. Say hi, Drew. Hey, guys. And we are going to be your favorite football podcast going forward. I hope you're ready for that. So in this week's episode, episode number one of your new favorite show, we're going to hit free agency, both good and bad moves we do and don't like. We're going to talk about moves we'd like to see, the whole OBJ situation, as well as Gronk. Is he retiring, or are they thinking about actually moving him, or is it all just smoke screens? Um, we're going to touch on the new rules from the owners' meeting, especially the new catch rule. Is it more simplified, or did they just reword it so it gives less of us a headache? And then with the draft less than a month away, we're actually going to hit on some of the divisions, what they need, what they've done so far, what we like to see them do, as well as some overall best prospects, some sleepers, and potential busts. Every week, we're going to hit a different division and different positions for the draft. This week, we're going to touch on the AFC North, NFC North, as well as QBs, running backs, and receivers in this upcoming draft. Okay, so for the first part of the show, the segment we're going to hit is free agency. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on one sec. Before we get into free agency, let's... uh. Let's take a second. I mean, we, I just want to hit on this Odell Beckham Jr. thing going on. Oh, you're all caught up in that situation? Oh, my God, man. This The drama going on with OBJ is uh, is incredible. I mean, you know, OBJ right now, you know, 25 years old, obviously coming in with some uh, immaturity issues. Uh, you know, Giants owner and GM obviously sick of answering questions about Odell Beckham Jr., um, so yeah, I don't think we can wait to hit on this, right? I mean, this is huge. I mean, you have a good point. I mean, Odell Beckham, as many put it out there, is a generational talent, you know what I mean? And he has done things it's hard to see with other players in the league. So I mean, whether you think he's worth those two first round draft picks, that's debatable. But I mean, this is news and this is something that has to be covered. So if you want to start with this, let's start with this. What do you think about OBJ? Yeah, I think honestly, if I'm the Giants, I'm shopping him big. I think I'm trying to get rid You're of him. You're shopping him? Oh, big time, man. Yeah, if, if I'm the Giants, I'm trying to get rid of him. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to uh, see what I can get. If I can get two first-round picks, listen, I don't know of a player in the NFL uh, that's worth two first-round picks right now, right? Uh, you know, you can put OBJ in that conversation, I guess. But uh, if I'm the Giants and I can get two mid-first-rounders for this guy... Uh, I'm shipping them away. All right. I mean, I understand that whole idea. I mean, you're talking about two first-round picks. It's hard to wrap your head around one player being worth two first-round picks, two potential players that could end up being cornerstones or at least pro bowlers for your team. I got that. But just a couple years ago, you're talking about Percy Harvin, who got <clears throat> traded for two first-round picks. A couple years before that, Dallas Cowboys traded for Roy E. Williams from the Detroit Lions for a first and a third. Man, was that a bust. So you're telling me, as GM of the Giants, if you're doing this, you're without a doubt moving a generational talent, your star player on that team? Yeah, absolutely. If, I, if I'm the Giants in the situation that the Giants are in right now, right? So we have a uh, we have an Eli Manning on decline, right? I mean, we have a guy, you know, uh, coming in, obviously a seasoned quarterback, uh, you know, he's obviously had some some coaching issues, a lot of offensive changes that people can blame some stuff for. Uh, you know, we had uh, we had Ben McAdoo in there for a couple years, didn't really seem to get any momentum with him. Uh, you know, it seemed like they lost a touch with OBJ during that time. Uh, you know, obviously he's coming over from Green Bay where he spent some time with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, just a different talent in Eli Manning. Uh, so you can blame coaching. You can blame a little bit of the offensive mix-up. But, you know, I, I think I think OBJ is young enough – and I think the, the rest of 
the aging offense to, to some degree of the Giants, uh, you know, I just don't think it's a good mix right now. I think if you're the Giants, I think I think you look quarterback in this draft. Um, I think you try and get somebody. Uh, you know, you try and get somebody. Maybe you trade down. Maybe a, you know, you can still find your guy. Uh, you know, add some pad some value there and some more picks. But uh, yeah, I think you get rid of OBJ. I think you start rebuilding now, and I think you let him move on and become a headache off the field for somebody else. Okay, I can see where you're coming from. That I mean, I don't want to touch too much on the player personnel. That'll be a different segment. But I mean, all right. I'm all for another. Don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham is a hell of a talent. Hell of a talent. And the off-field off issues do bother me. I am one personally for, one, players who don't get injured a lot, and two, players who cause the least amount of distractions off the field as possible. And let's just say Odell Beckham is one of those players that there's always seems to be some kind of drama around, whether he's proposing to a field goal post that he just assaulted or, you know, wanting to fight Josh Norman. I'm not quite sure. <coughs> Guy's a wreck. He's a hell of a player, though. And, yeah, I mean, You're right. I, I might agree with you as a GM, just because of the way I feel about players. I might try to move him, too. But, so, by saying this, you definitely think the Giants are rebuilding. Eli Manning has a year or two left. <coughs> you know, so you're just saying, ship out Odell, get what you can, whether it's this year or next year, draft your quarterback in the future, and just start building now with Pat Shermer as, as head coach. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, I think it's what Pat Shermer should look to do. I think it's going to take him some convincing in the front office to get done, but uh, I think it's the way they got to go. Because here's the thing: you get rid of him now and you get get something for him, or do you wait till the end of the year when he's demanding eighteen million and you realize you can't pay it? You know. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. Yeah, Odell Beckham, for those who have not heard, seems to be asking for eighteen mil a year for this contract extension, which. No matter who you are, it's a hefty, hefty, hefty price. So, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, Drew. I really can. Uh, it's, it's a tough situation for the Giants to be in. But I have to think that they're at least listening to offers. Ones by the Rams that they seemed interested, as well as the 49ers. And we all know that Odell Beckham spends his year when he's not playing football in California. That's where he lives. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to make the connections there. The thing is, are we going to actually see it, or is it just a smokescreen? I almost have to wonder, what's the point of even having Eli Manning this year if you're going to move Odell Beckham? Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, again, another good point, which is why I think you know, if you're the Giants, you gotta you gotta get on that uh, you know you gotta get on that quarterback situation. You got you gotta look to to start rebuilding, if not this season, coming up soon. And, and I just don't know if Odell Beckham. Um, if he's a piece of that puzzle, if he is a piece of that puzzle, then you got to restart the rebuild quick. So when you give him this big money, you know you got enough time with him to hang out, and you got a young enough roster that you're rebuilding around that you can keep a star talent and afford to pay him. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It makes sense. We we agree on certain pieces of that. Whether I would pull the trigger, I'm not actually sure. You seem clear cut, and you're like goodbye OBJ. But <coughs> I mean, we're interested to see what you guys have to say. So I mean, on this segment or any other we conduct in the future. Feel free to give your comments, questions. We'll make sure to hit as many as possible or bring up as many as possible in future episodes. Without getting too much into the draft, though, I almost got to wonder, if you're clear-cut and getting rid of OBJ, are you drafting your quarterback of the future? And even if you don't get rid of OBJ, do you have to worry about drafting your quarterback of the future and maybe there being that disconnect there between the two players? Yeah, I think... Um... I think you do. I think that we've we've seen time and time again when a quarterback has an opportunity to sit a to sit a season or two. Traditionally, it works out a little bit better for his career. 
Um, you know, you have the, the, the one-off situations with Andrew Luck, who, who seems to come in and, and listen, in my opinion, an elite quarterback right now that didn't have that opportunity. Uh, but I think you get a guy, you get a guy in the in Shermer system, you, uh, you know, you work through it, let Eli show him what he can as a veteran coming on his way out, and then you start planning for the future. All right, as much as I hate to say, I mean, we've got Drew's take and we got some of my take. I honestly have to agree with you, not maybe for all the same reasons, but the way I see the Giants right now is they have a lot of old pieces. They do have young pieces in certain parts of their team, but with your best player being a dysfunctional wide receiver, if you can get those two first-round picks or even something close to that, especially when your quarterback of the future is not on the roster most likely and Eli Manning's ready to shut it down, I mean... You you have to you have to strongly consider that it might not be full rebuild, but you're in a partial rebuild. You gotta have to think about making big moves like that, one way or another. It's gonna pay off whether you keep them or not, or it's not. But I mean, as crazy as the OBJ situation is, Drew, I really don't know <coughs> if that is a bigger situation to me than the Gronkowski situation. Oh, Gronkowski. Here I mean, we go. come on. You're Here talking about arguably the best tight end in the league. Now, I say arguably very carefully there. But Gronk, is he considering retirement actually just to go to the WWE or act? Or, you know, is are the Patriots looking at trading him? I mean, that's kind of hard to wrap my mind around to begin with, the Patriots trading Gronkowski. Yeah, listen, you know, I don't know. I'm calling smoke screen on this one, but but you look at it. The guy's got a cap hit of about $11 million this season, signed through uh, through 2019. Um, Obviously, reports of him and Belichick not getting along. We all know that at the end of the day, Belichick runs that team. uh, Unless you're Tom Brady, um, you can get to craft. But, um, yeah, I I think that, that Belichick has made a career of moving on from people when most thought it was too too soon. And it's usually panned out to be right. I will give you that. Bella genius, you know, he knows what he's doing. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I wouldn't say it would be the craziest thing. A team to look out for, I'm hearing, though, on that from everything that I'm reading is uh, is actually the 49ers. Really? Yeah, a little tie to, to, to Jimmy G. Okay, and, uh, I can see that. I can see that. You know, they're looking for some more weapons up the middle of the field. So and, I mean, uh, that is an up-and-coming team. That, whew, talk you know, about it. I I don't know about next season, but I mean, I know people who are looking for the 49ers to make a big jump next season, but two years from now, they keep going, I'm on board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a team that's been relatively aggressive in free agency, um, has uh, obviously, you know, the Sherman signing, you know, I I think that, you know, you take Gronk, you put him in that offense. I mean, look at what Jimmy G had with with what he had last year, what he did with what he had. I mean, name two wide receivers on, on the 49ers. I know I can't, yeah. Right? right? I mean, you know, and Jimmy G is just is out there just making it happen with next to nothing. So, uh, you know, a nice talent. I mean, he's in a great offensive system. Adding Gronk in that system, I think, gives him some versatility at the middle of the field. I'm going to say, I think the biggest name I could think of in the receiving game with Jimmy G last year was George Kittle. And, and yeah. the tight Who end. thought we'd be saying that? Right, George Who Kittle. thought we'd be saying that? So, I mean, the fact that with the 49ers up and coming, and not only are they, you know, testing the waters for OBJ, but also Gronkowski. Now, I doubt they'll be able to even land both, let alone one. But, I mean, they're trying to make moves. And you're talking about two of the biggest names in the league. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And you look at Gronkowski and the injuries that he's had and, and kind of what's been plaguing him here and, and his relative inconsistencies. And, and frankly, you know, the New England Patriots really being able to get it done without him. You know what I mean? And they weren't a wildly different team without uh, Gronkowski. So, you know, I'm sure those are the kind of things that Belichick's going to have to sit on and look through. And uh, again, if there's even anything to this, right? I mean, you know, it's a lot of speculation I mean, right now. Especially around this time of the offseason. I mean, you got free agency that's only a couple weeks in. You got the draft upcoming. Any kind of situation where a player or team seems unhappy, there's going to be smoke screens to it. And teams use that to their advantage to try and work over other teams. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. OBJ hit my one, two negative points when it comes to player and off-field issues. Unfortunately, Gronkowski hits the other. I am very scared of players who are consistently injured. Now, it hasn't been as bad lately as it was in the early years for Gronkowski. But, I mean, he's only 29 years old. 29 years old, still the best tight end in the league, as you can argue. And you have to wonder, you know, yes, Belichick has a history of moving players at the right time almost every time and getting something for them. You know what I mean? And, yes, they could do that with Gronkowski. I mean, Belichick is not shy, no matter how important the player on, you know, moving people. But... You know, what are they thinking about? What do they think they can get for him? And at 29 years old, is the injury scaring them that much? Or the idea of retirement? And for teams trading for Gronkowski, that's a big scare. Because you're talking about a team that has to trade for Gronkowski to be like, well, he has past injury issues. You know, he's going into the end of his contract. They're going to have to give him an extension. He's not sure about retirement. So, you know, you're asking a team to make a trade for a player that they don't know if he's going to stay in the league in the next couple of years. Is he going to get injured and even be able to play? Putting out extra money to be able to keep him if he decides to stay and giving up compensation, whether players or picks, to get him in the first place. I mean, it's just a lot of check marks they would have to make in order to maybe get a player that's going to keep playing the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking this one stays in house. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Gronk stays with the Patriots, comes back to camp. You know, all this stuff with Belichick blows over, um, and, and I think we see him pay, pay out the rest of his contract. You know, I, I don't think we see him come back. Um, I don't think we come, see him come back after the 2019 season personally. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see what the next couple of seasons here pans out. Do you think he's going to be dropping elbow drops in the WWE? Uh, you know, I think he could be dropping elbow drops in the WWE. If not, I think he's going to be dropping uh, Gronk spikes for another team. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, just as a quick recap, we hit OBJ. <laughs> we both would move him, though, for separate reasons. Do you think it's actually going to happen, though? Uh, you know, I think that... Um you know, no, I don't. I don't think it's not going to happen, though, because the Giants wouldn't take those two picks. Um, I just don't know of another team right now that's looking ahead to the future and the money they're going to have to pay uh, to get OBJ involved in their franchise for those two first-round picks. I, I, I would have to agree. I think there's a better chance of Odell getting moved than Gronkowski. But at this point, I don't think there's enough around for it actually to happen. Where there is smoke, there is fire. There is definitely smoke on OBJ. I just don't see enough flames yet for it to be a serious consideration. As for Gronkowski, I agree with you. I think even though it's especially intriguing and there's plenty there for the Patriots to maybe try and move them, I don't think there's a team willing to you know cross off all those boxes in order just to go get him. What are you about? What about you? No, yeah, listen, I, I really don't think so. I, I think Gronk stays in. I, I just can't. 
I, I can't see anybody calling the trade there. It just it just doesn't really make sense for a lot of teams right now. Uh, just just to get the threat that he could potentially be right. But I mean, we're seeing him could potentially be four games a season. You know, yeah. I mean, you just never know what's going on with the guy. All right, so with that, I think that's done with the OBJ and Gronkowski rumors. But we want to hear from you guys, of course, whether you actually can make logical comments or if you just want to bash us on how stupid we are. If you have any questions, tell us what you think. Do you think OBJ or Gronk's going to be moved? If so, do you think there's a team out there looking for him? Or do you think it's all smoke screens as well? Let us know. Guys, by the way, just so you know, you can get at us at... Two coaches, one couch on Twitter. That's at two coaches, one couch. All right. Ready? All right, all right. Now that I got done getting my uh, rocks off over the OBJ drama here, uh, Lacey, let's go back to free agency. Uh, give me, give me something you love, man. Give me, give me a move you just, you just love. Okay, I mean, free agency happened a couple weeks ago. It went off with a bang. I mean, it really slowed down since then, but trying to recount, there's been a lot of moves, and a lot of stuff has happened. There's a lot of moves to like, and a lot that I don't, but one of my favorite moves is how aggressive the LA Rams have been this free agency. I mean, we talked about them in the earlier segment. No doubt. Yeah, earlier segment, we talked about them being interested in the OBJ, but let's not forget what they already did. I mean, they just recently signed Indominus Sue to pair with Aaron Donald. Yes, they lost Robert Quinn. Nasty. Yeah, a player I like. But, I mean, that force up the middle is nuts. They went and got Aqib Tlaib from Denver. I mean, yeah, he's aging, but he still has the skill set. And the best part, the reason I bring up the Rams, okay, is he doesn't have to be the number one corner. They went and got arguably my favorite corner in the league, Marcus Peters. Ooh, yeah. Marcus Peters, too. What is he, 25? 24-25. Yeah, it is ridiculous. He only just finished his third year in the league. You know who has more interceptions than him in the first th- his, these first three seasons? Who's that? No one. He <laughs> leads the league in interceptions since he's been in the league. It is nuts. People are like, off-field, <clears throat> off-field issues this, off-field issues that. Come on. No problems with off-field issues when it comes to police, anything serious, no you know, franchise problems. The biggest knock you can get against him is him getting frustrated as a young player and throwing the yellow flag when a ref threw it into the stands. Are you kidding me? That's your one knock against him for moving his talented ass? You're nuts. So him going to the Rams, okay, to then only add a keep to leave, have Aaron Donald in the middle and Indominus Sue, that defense, <clears throat> maybe not yet, but if they, they really get clicking and they draft a piece or two, could be up there, in my opinion, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I mean, listen, if you look at last year, right, I mean, you know, we didn't have a terrible defense in Los Angeles to begin with, right? No, no. I mean, you really didn't have, I mean, had a lot of times, uh, I mean, I have to look it up here, but I mean, the amount of times they got the pressure on the quarterback, I mean, I'd have to imagine that they were up there and at least Quite hits, a bit, quite you know, a bit. pressures, I mean, it was just, uh, they had a they had a nice, uh, nice front seven there and, uh, you know, we're able to really make it happen uh, with a really young head coach. You know what I mean? Young Sean McVay, yeah. Coming in at Jared Goff and, uh, uh, you know, being able to get done what they did defensively was incredible. Now, take that and amplify it uh, with the moves that they've made. You know, you talked about Aqib Tlaib. Um, you know, uh, certainly a, a good guy to pair with Marcus Peters. you got a nice veteran in Tlaib, right? I mean, he's uh, he's a ball hawk if there ever was one, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm looking for, I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. I think we're going to see a lot of turnovers there. I think that uh, Tlaib's getting a little old. 
Uh, he's well, maybe not so much. Probably thirty, thirty-one now. Yep, I think he's thirty-one. Yeah. <coughs> but uh, but yeah, I agree with you, man. I, agree I with mean, and the, that's what I mean. The best part of it is. I see Marcus Peters at number one. So Akib Talib, even if he's aging, he's covering the number two wideout. He still has plenty of talent to do that. They're going to have pressure up the middle, help the secondary. And I mean, their defense wasn't bad last year, but let's not pretend that that wasn't an offensive team last season. I mean, now you're adding big pieces to the defense as well as still having most of those playmakers on offense. Not to mention without them even hitting the draft yet. Them still being considered an OBJ. That team is still going to make a lot of moves, and I am afraid of them already for next season. But, I mean, that's just me. I love the Marcus Peters move. What about you? What's one move you really, really liked? Oh, man, you know, the move that I loved, and uh, and listen, Redskins fans, I don't want to hear you guys bitching and crying, uh, you know, here on this one, what, what I'm about to say, okay? But listen, I love... Alex Smith in Washington. Okay, there you're it is. kidding me. I said it. All right, I love the move. Love it. L O V E. You think he is better than <laughs> Kirk Cousins? Absolutely. I'm taking Alex Smith over Kirk Cousins all day long, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Couple you're gonna reasons. have to, yeah. Couple reasons, right? So, so, so reason number one. Uh, you know, I don't think Alex Smith is going to lose you a game. Okay. Okay. If we take take a look at it, you know, the I, I think I think the really important stat that I believe Kirk Cousins uh, led the league in is uh, is interceptions with two minutes or less left in a football game. Well, I can't um, argue that's not an important stat. I mean, you know, you look at some some of those numbers, and, and let's not look at those numbers, right? Right. Let's let's look at the numbers that matter. Okay. Let me give you let me give you the last three years in the league. The last three years for Alex Smith, right, as a record, okay? All right. He holds 11 and 5, 11 and 4, 9 and 6, okay? So fell off a little bit last year. You know what his quarterback rating was last year? I believe you can tell me. 104.7 quarterback rating for the entire season, okay? Now let's just take a look at quick Kirk Cousins over the past three years, okay? Kirk Cousins comes off a season of 9 and 7 in 2015. Eight and seven and one in 2016, and then seven and nine in 2017. So we have a record that is going in the wrong direction consistently. Although he gets weapons to him, right? He gets weapons added around him. Does he put up big numbers, right? Was he over 4,000 yards every single one of those seasons? Absolutely. Uh, but you know what happened to his completion percentage all those seasons? He went from about 70 percent to 67 to 63. QBR of 101 to 97 to 93. You know, the guy is getting more careless with the football. He goes from, you know, his interceptions go up one every year, right? You know, he's at uh, he's at 11, he's at 12, he's at 13. You know, I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, the guy was a wrecking ball there His uh, you know, as his time progressed over the past three years in Washington. I mean, I can't argue those statistics about the win-loss or QBR. I personally like QBR, but Drew, there's a lot of fans out there that don't consider QBR a real stat. And they'll tell you that those win-loss records... That's a team-based performance, and that Alex Smith had more weapons around him in Kansas City than Kirk Cousins did in Washington. You know, you say it's a team-based performance, and, and you know, part of me agrees, but here's the deal, okay? What it comes down to at the end of the day is, is you know, you having a quarterback that can win you football games with his arm, okay? Alex Smith is not the guy, okay, that's going to go out there and he's going to throw for 4,000 yards every season. Okay, Washington has some challenges with them. Let's not get it. Let's not get it confused here, right? Oh yeah, they've I'm not trying to, to protect the, Washington at all. They've, they've, they've got to get it figured out. Okay, they've got to get the run game figured out. They've got to make sure that they have that thing established and rocking and rolling day one for Alex Smith, so that he can build upon it. But he's proven time and time again when you give him a decent run game uh, that he can take pressure off your running back. 
Um, he can make your job a little easy for your line. He can get the ball out quick. Um, he's an accurate passer, doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and, and I think he can get it done. Uh, you know, the other thing there, too, that, that just, just looking at it is a franchise that actually believes in your quarterback. That's big for Alex Smith. He's always felt that he has not been, you know, like teams have not believed in him. He was moved from San Francisco to Kansas City <coughs> as soon as Kaepernick started rising, which I thought was a bad move. And then, you know, he was in Kansas City and had a lot of successful seasons. Now he's being moved to Washington. So it's hard, I can understand, for Alex Smith not to feel that way. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt. I, you know, I think that – so, so anyway, I, I, love, I love the move. I think it's, I think it's a phenomenal move. I, I, just, I just really want to see Washington put some pieces around them on their offense. I mean, literally, uh, I mean, you've got – You've got Jamison Crowder still there. Who I mean, who the hell was he last season? I mean, oh my God, uh, you know Jordan Reed, obviously. Uh, but really, aside from that, they traded out for for Paul Richardson. Um, but you know they, they've got to get a couple weapons. I mean, know? I'm not going to argue that. I mean, I could see why you like the move. You know, you're right. Jamison Crowder didn't do much last year. I like Jamison Crowder, and that's hard for me saying because he's the Washington Redskin. But Jamison Crowder two years ago was a great receiver. And I am actually excited to see what they have in Josh Dotson. He took a step somewhat last year. I'm hoping he can take another step. But just to recap here, you're not saying necessarily Alex Smith is the more talented quarterback. You just think that he'll be the better quarterback on that team and that system going forward. You know, I, I think that uh, I am going to say that Alex Smith is the more talented quarterback. Shut up. Alex Smith is the more – Alex Smith – listen, Redskin fans – Alex Smith is the more talented quarterback. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to save this episode, okay? I want you to save it somewhere. And, and when, you're, uh, when you're new Washington Redskins, okay, with arguably less receiver talent, okay, coming into this year, go uh, – you're going you're to go probably nine and – you're going you go nine and seven. I feel maybe, like you're being generous there, Drew. You're maybe being generous. You watch. You watch. All right. Well, you heard him on that. He, he told you to save this episode. You make sure at the end of the next season, if he is not on point, you come back and let him know it. But, I mean, there's been a lot of moves, Drew. A lot of other moves that I like as well, and I'm sure you have plenty that you like on top. Um, but, you know, those are two moves we really liked. What, what about a move you really did not care for? You know, I, I think this one's going to be quick and easy for me. You know, a, a move that I don't like is a move that didn't freaking happen yet. Pay Le'Veon Bell the oh, money. Oh, God. Just give it to him, Pittsburgh. Just oh. give it to him. Stop waiting around. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You know, you come in and, and, and you know, you get him on a you get him on a tag. It's just ridiculous, man. It's nuts. Pay the guy. So you, you think Le'Veon Bell is justified in how he feels and that Pittsburgh should pay him? Of course. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. You know, you've got, you've got arguably the best running back in football. Uh, certainly with the most versatile running back in football. And, and you're going to sit here and not pay the guy? Because here's the deal, right? It's beyond the money at this point, right? Because you know what it does and it's, it's, it's proven to do is it gets in his head. You know, he's, he obsesses about it, okay? And when, when it's in his head and he's feeling through it, you think he's really going to be given 110%? You know what I mean? No way. Get out of here. Give the guy his money and move on. I can I could see where you're coming from that. I think he always wants to give 110%. It might be hard sometimes. I mean, he just recently came out and said it's hard to be the hero when you're constantly paying it as the villain. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the guy, we're talking about a running back that accounted for, you know, listen, when you when you look at the when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You you look at Big Ben, right? Antonio Brown. You you've got some big weapons. My out boy there, Juju. Right? Your boy Juju Smith. You, listen, Schuster, you know, you you look at some of these people. 
But then when you look at the numbers, okay, over the past two years, we're talking about Le'Veon Bell. That's the same Le'Veon Bell that accounted for 32% of all offensive yards gained yeah. over the past two seasons. I mean, he's totaled almost 4,000 yards. I mean, if we're not mistaken here, he holds the record for most scrimmage yards in a season since ever for the yeah, NFL. Yeah, you know, that is ever. nuts. That is a mind-blowing statistic, and I have to agree with you. I mean, <coughs> yes, you could keep putting him on the, the you know the franchise tag. You know, you might be worrying about the money, but he's not asking for ridiculous money. He's asking to be paid like the player he is. He is not OBJ who's asking for $18 million arguably a year. Okay? He's only asking for 13 or 14. He might be like running back he already has a couple years in the league oh off field issues which at most is a two or four game suspension which can be annoying but when he's putting out that production you know what i mean and driving that offense i mean no offense big ben is past his prime you know what i mean if you took Le'Veon bell away and it was just big ben and as much as i love my boy juju and then arguably the best receiver in the league antonio brown Yes, they're still going to make plays, they're still going to win games, but they are not doing nearly as much, especially with a below-average defense without Le'Veon Bell. Pay the guy. Yeah, agreed, man. Let's just get this guy paid and done. You know, maybe he gets $15 million, maybe he gets $16 million. You know, somebody's, listen, listen, Steeler Nation, okay? Somebody's paying your boy, okay? It's going to be you or it's going to be somebody else, okay? Watch him go to the Browns and run all over you. I mean, you're right. I mean, a team is paying. A team is paying. And you're, like you said, arguably talking about the most versatile and arguably the best running back in the league. Pay the man his money. He's your best player, hands down. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. What about you? What what sucks? What sucked for you? Um, I just want to mention, I just want to mention, I was not a huge fan of the Trevor Simeon signing in Denver. He's a good quarterback. Can't bash him, but I, I am very scared of one-hit wonders. I always tell people to tap the brakes. Let's wait and see. He had a great year in Minnesota. Maybe he'll do the same thing Trevor in Denver. Simeon? Trevor Simeon. You're talking about? Uh, no, you're talking about who's that guy? I'm not talking about Trevor Simeon. What? No, you're not wow. talking about Trevor Simeon, dude. You're talking about freaking uh, Case Keenum. Case Keenum. My yeah, bad. Yeah. What, you should, you should stop me before gonna, I made that, a fool that, of myself. You know, this is sick when you get into this conversation and you almost forget the name Case Keenum. Yeah, because he's such a well-known name. To your point, right? No, to your point of one-hit wonder. I mean, you got a guy whose name you got to think about for a little bit. Like, get out of here. Case Keenum, I hope he does well. Maybe it's a good move for Denver, but at most it's a stopgap player. They're going to draft someone this year or next year. And how about and how about John Elway coming out and saying we got our guy and coming out ploying to the world and listen I guess as a GM right you gotta you gotta really get some buy into the guy but but you're coming out saying that like you've been waiting for the moment yeah. that you can get <gasps> Casey Casey Keenum. Keenum. yeah like, get I mean the hell not only buy in for him but I mean you gotta you gotta get the fans <laughs> to buy in as well I mean I'm sure they're like oh we're gonna yeah, draft ridiculous. a quarterback it can't get any worse than having Trevor Simeon in my or Paxton Lynch, or something like that. Ooh, Case Keenum's not bad. Hopefully he reproduces. He got Demarius Thomas and, you know, other weapons on that offense. But I just want to touch on that. My move I really didn't like, and you went with a move that didn't happen. I'm going to go with a move that maybe isn't bad from the team standpoint, but from the player standpoint. I'm sitting here wondering, why would Michael Crabtree sign with the Ravens? Oh. The Ravens are a dumpster fire. I don't. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, okay. Nothing. So the Nothing's Raiders cut him there. just to sign Jordy Nelson, which, as much as I like both players, is questionable in itself. But sure. for Michael Crabtree to be out in free agency, his 
choice of teams, even if it's only a couple. And he's like, you know what? I want to go to the Baltimore Ravens, who are constantly underperforming. And I'm sorry, might be an unpopular opinion. Have a quarterback I don't really think is that great in Joe Flacco. No, God, no. Talk about overpaid, right? I mean, Michael Crabtree is aging. He doesn't have the speed to stretch the field. You know, are they using him as number two, as a route runner and hand catcher? And if so, what is that really going to do for him in his final couple of years in the league and for the Baltimore Ravens? It's not going to do much of anything, in my opinion. No, listen, you know, I, I got to agree. And the other thing is, too, you're talking about the same guy, the same Michael Crabtree that just two seasons ago spent a career, right? I mean, like, two seasons ago, this guy... What was the guy bailing them out of every close game? At Big that point, games. it wasn't Amari Cooper. No. Right? It was I love Amari Cooper. Cooper, yeah. It was Crabtree. That dude was showing up big. That dude was a touchdown machine. Two okay? touchdown games, three touchdown games, and close God, games. I love Amari Cooper. I love him for my fantasy, I'll tell you that. Crabtree <laughs> on my fantasy team, guy, guy blew it up. Man, it was crazy. It was crazy. Since we're on shitty moves, too, I just want to touch a note on one thing uh, really quick. I know I touched on the Alex Smith uh, going over there, but I didn't touch really quick on what they sacrificed, which was uh, the good old Kirk Cousins, which, again, we talked about some stats. I just want to go on the record saying that congratulations to the Minnesota Vikings. You now have the third best quarterback in the NFC North, <laughs> and uh, you're guaranteeing him his contract. So, well done. We'll see how that pans out for you. Third best in the NFC North. You're putting him under, of course, the great Aaron <coughs> Rodgers, but also the Matthew goat. Stafford? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matthew Staff- Stafford, the comeback king, Mr. Clutch. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Get out of here, Kirk Cousins. We'll see. Interesting, interesting. I, I am waiting to see what happens with Kirk Cousins. I like him. Like You pointed out earlier in the segment, 4,000 yards in the past couple of seasons. I mean, he has weapons there. We will see. But all that guaranteed money is nuts no matter what. All right, all right. I mean, we all have our varying opinions out there. We named some good and bad moves. I'm sure some of you agree with us. Some of you don't. I know we don't necessarily agree with each other on this. But, I mean, free agency happened a couple weeks ago. There was a big rush. It's died down somewhere. I'm sure if you're following your teams, you're following their moves. But, Drew, I mean, I know there's still some pretty decent names out there. I mean, you're talking about Eric Reed, Trey Boston, DeMarco Murray, Benny Logan. Not maybe star players, but really good, solid players that could help a team. So, out of the players still out there, what's a player or two that you really like, and where where would you like them to see them go? <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, I'm going to drop you a name that you don't really, you're not really thinking about a lot in free agency. I think he's done a couple team visits. Uh, I know he visited with the Packers, uh, you know, last week for just a workout. I think nothing super serious there. He did not leave with the contract, obviously. But Jordan Matthews, Jordan Matthews, all the <laughs> players out there. Some of the ones I named, Derek Johnson from the. Chiefs are still out there. A great player that can help. Or, you know, uh, linebacker from the Raiders. Navarro Bowman, who signed last year. Hell of a big-name player still out there looking for a team. But you're going Jordan Matthews. Why? I'm going Jordan Matthews. You know, I think Jordan Matthews has enough talent that he can help. Um, you, you know, I, I think that if you put enough around him, right, he, he proved in Buffalo that he's not the number one guy, right? Uh, you know, he, he was in Philly, uh, and he proved that he can produce out of the slot, um, I think he needs a place they can put him back in there, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think part of that place might be, you know, I know I spent a lot of time talking about the Chiefs uh, or the uh, the Redskins earlier getting uh, Alex Smith, and, you know, Jordan Matthews with the Redskins would not be a bad move. You're really you know? starting to sound like a Redskins fan there, Drew. You know, you know, I'm far from it, but, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but you know, listen, I just, uh, I, and mainly because, you know, of my, of my uh, dislike 
for the uh, the people that are really hating right now on the Redskins and, and doing this move. And, and I just love Alex Smith. I like where he's at. And I think he's at a good point. You know, adding Jordan Matthews in the slot to, to make up a little bit of room there, I think makes sense. Um, you know, there's a couple other teams that can benefit from Jordan, Jordan Matthews, right? Cheap enough. Cheap enough, absolutely. Right? I think you yeah. can. I think you can throw him to a lot of places. I mean, I think you can. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, if we're going back to the NFC North where uh, Mr. Cousins landed, you know, I think you can throw him on the lines. Um, I think, you know, he gives you a little upgrade in the slot there. I think that, uh, you know, I think you can go the other way on it a little bit. I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Matthews can land a lot of places. Like I said, I know he was he was at the Packers doing a workout. Um, you know, I highly doubt they're going to sign him. You know, it's certainly not looking promising. You're not really um, seeing that in the tea leaves there? No, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it would be a bad move, you know, but because, you know, when you got when you got 12 under center, uh, you know, he makes all the pieces around him a lot better. So, uh, you know, I think he's proven that too. But, um, but I, you know, I just don't think Jordan Matthews goes there. You I know, mean, I just really don't. Jordan Matthews is definitely interesting. When he was playing for the Eagles, yes, Especially towards the end there, he had some of those seasons where he was dropping passes. But other than Zach Ertz, he was your big name wideout, and he did make some plays. I mean, it's not as big as some of the players that I was, you know, that are out there that I was expecting you to say. But it's an interesting prospect, and like you said, for as cheap as he is, and he still has to prove himself. There's a lot of teams out there that could be interested. The Redskins. I feel like when you're talking about Redskins haters, you were taking a shot at me there, Drew. But, I mean, it, it would be interesting whether the Redskins are a different team to see how he goes. I mean, he could definitely be used in Washington. You know, I just saw, too, uh, an article on uh, on NBC Sports that said that the Cardinals uh, are planning on offering uh, Jordan Matthews. So, you know, there's an offer on the table and, uh, you know, potentially, and they're looking to see what they can do. I think he visited with New England, too, uh, now that I'm thinking about it. But, that's, uh, that's interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, if Belichick feels like he has a you know, a spot for you. You almost feel like you have to go there, in my opinion. And I mean, Arizona wouldn't be another bad spot. I mean, they just did sign Butler, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. But I mean, they, they, they Larry Fitzgerald, and then it's a bunch of role players on that offense, other outside of Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. So I mean, that would work too as well. I mean, there's a lot of interesting places he could go, pieces, and he could fit in a lot of different areas. I mean, they'll probably give him a prove it contract, a year or two at most, cheap money. Prove yourself, and then you could cash out. But it's definitely an interesting prospect there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think uh, I think you'd be looking forward to happen, what happens there. What about you? Um, honestly, I want to go back to my favorite position, a wildly underrated position, and one I'm very surprised has not really been touched on in free agency, and that's safety. There are some good safety. safeties out there, man. Speaking of safety, didn't we have Sean Taylor's birthday yesterday? I did. How many years has it been now? Whew, man. Uh, too too many since the town I mean, like that. Time. I mean, rest God in damn. peace to Sean Taylor, yeah. my favorite safety prospect. Even though he was uh, Redskin, you know, <laughs> I hate to say that, but I mean, Sean Taylor, my favorite safety of all time, and playing that spot myself, and you know, really loving that position. You know, rest in peace to him. I hope I hope you know he's up there playing for God's team, but. I mean, there are some still good safeties out there. Trey Boston, Eric Reed, Kenny Vaccaro. I mean, not, Kenny to, Vaccaro. not to mention Mark. And exactly who I want to talk, and I'm glad you pointed out Kenny Vaccaro. I feel like he's underrated. He he was drafted in the first round in a draft. I would have loved, you know, to take him for my team. But he went to the Saints. He's been misused, in my opinion, a little bit and had some small injury issues. But the facts are the facts. And the main issue is your defense plays better when he's in. He plays slot, he plays outside, he plays yeah. both safety, he played box. He is so versatile. 
Talk and about I just, a hybrid player. Right? And it's just so hard for, you know, if you're a team that needs help at that position, you don't want a versatile veteran who's not that old in the tooth yet to come in and, and help your team. And, you know, where I would love to see him go? <clears throat> the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Dallas Cowboys. the Dallas Cowboys. He's from the University of Texas, Texas native, you know, goes back to Texas. That's a young secondary there in Dallas. Jordan Lewis, Cheeto, you know, they got Kayvon Frazier back there, Byron Jones, Jeff Heath. It's a young, young secondary. And if you can bring in a veteran like that who can not only, you know, show them the ropes somewhat, and I mean, and some of them are versatile in themselves, and he's a versatile player. He could play anywhere on that backhand and that they would need him, help, you know, mentor, you know, those younger players. Dallas was looking at him in that draft, and, you know, he's a Texas native. I think it just makes too much sense, especially since they have a need at safety, and it saves them from maybe having to draft one high up in the draft this upcoming month. I just think it makes too much sense for them not to make that move and pull the pull the trigger on, you know, a player who you're probably going to get at a decent price. Yeah, yeah. You know what, I, uh, I think... I, I could see that, you know, I, I could definitely see that, you know, God knows that Dallas needs some help deep in that secondary, um, you know, they could, uh, you know, they could really use somebody, uh, you know, somebody like Vaccaro with, with just his versatility, right, he could play anywhere, he can do anything, he's a hybrid safety corner linebacker almost, Absolutely. and, uh, you know, really what team can't use him, but, uh, but I agree that Dallas could. Uh, you know, we've been around. Uh, we've been around the NFC East a lot. Right? I know. About, I mean, we talked about every team except for the reigning Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, but who wants to talk about them? I mean, no, I'm I'm kidding, Eagles fans. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, there is some bias there, but Eagles have a hell of a team, and I am a big Carson Wentz supporter. I feel like almost now because you put that out there, we have to talk about the Eagles a little bit since we talked on all the other teams in that division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I just want to highlight a couple quick moves that the Eagles made that I think are just uh, are, are interesting. Um, you know, you, you got them. Obviously, you know they acquired Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Um, Granted, if know, he plays for the team, but uh, hell of a pickup if he does. Man, yeah, we got to look. We got to follow that situation close, right? So, uh, but yeah, grab Michael Bennett. Um, you know, uh, who else did they got? They got Haloti Nada. Haloti right? Nada. Uh, one year deal towards uh, the end of his career, but obviously a help. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. What team is he not helping? And then obviously, you know, they agree to terms with uh, uh, with Mike Wallace on a one-year deal too. Mike Wallace, who they're going to use to replace Torrey Smith, and I actually yeah. think might be a better fit in that offense. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, I think both of them have a have a very similar talent in the their ability to go vertical, and uh, you know, I, I think that I think that we're going to see where uh, where he fits and how he comes into his own. But I mean, you talk about a team that. That just had a breakout year last year. Uh, you know, you know, Doug Peterson, uh, you know, coming on as head coach. You know, you got Carson Wentz, what a young talent. Uh, Carson Wentz arguably takes you to the playoffs, drives you in, and you got you got trusty old Nick, right? Trusty old Nick, who, Nick Foles, who, Saint uh, Nick. And listen, listen, Eagles fans, I want you to know that I was sleeping on your boy Nick Foles, and I was wrong. Right? I think we both were on that, Drew. You know, I. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was frustrated at the fact that, uh, you know, coming out of everybody thought he was a was a magic man coming out of that game against uh, coming out of the game against Atlanta, and you know, I I remember saying that, uh, you know, ah, you know, it's just the cover two, it's just the cover two. He plays well against the cover two. He always plays well against the cover two. He's never going up against the press man of, of the, the Minnesota Vikings right? and doing exactly. anything. Right, and then he comes out and he doesn't even beat them. Okay, uh, in the beginning of that game, you know, it wasn't. It was just, 
I don't know. Tr- yeah, in- incredible, incredible quarterback play. I mean, that wasn't even a football game, right? No, I mean, no, it wasn't, wasn't even close, football which is extremely disappointing. But to go back on that, I mean, you're talking about the defensive pieces that you're already adding to pieces in that front seven. I mean, you're talking about Fletcher Cox. Oof. You know what I mean? You're talking about Brandon Graham. All right? Oh. And yeah. yeah, that secondary could use a little bit of help. But those are big pieces to already add to a strong unit. And I am in love with not only Charles Harris that came out of Missouri that they got, but... All right, wait, 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 wait. I just realized what I was doing. I caught my mistake this time, not you, Drew. I love Charles Harris, but he plays for Miami. Give me a, give me a break, folks. This is my first time doing a show. I mean Derek Barnett out of Tennessee. He was my favorite rusher last year, closely followed by Charles Harris. But Derek Barnett was a rotational player last year, came on very strong towards the end, had that great play in the Super Bowl, and I really think he needs to be a major piece going forward on that line. Um, speaking of which, not only did they ta- draft my favorite edge rusher, which I hated to see, but they drafted my favorite corner last year in hey, Sidney Jones. On, on Derek Barnett, too, didn't, uh, didn't Derek Barnett uh, come out of Tennessee? Yeah, he did. Didn't, uh, didn't Reggie White? Play for Tennessee? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Barnett actually, with 32 career sacks there, I think he broke uh, former Eagles uh, great Reggie White's uh, Tennessee record. You know, there's not much you can outdo me with, Andrew, but I did not know that, and you're making me look bad. That that is a crazy stat to think about. And I mean, the Eagles Ooh. have that as incredible, right? On that line with those players I just mentioned. And going back, they drafted my favorite corner, Sidney Jones. Now, granted, he didn't play until the regular season finale, and he didn't do much. But, I mean, you're talking about arguably the number one corner in last year's draft who only fell because he got hurt, Jones, and he they scooped him up in the second round. And with a team that has secondary issues, as long as he stays healthy, I, I see him being a big contributor next year to add on to that defense. Then you go to the offense, arguably an upgrade at, you know, Mike Wallace over Torrey Smith, who had some drops. And you still have Nelson Aguilar, who's a jack-of-all-trades. And according to my, my one source, the best receiver in the lead, league, joking, of course, but he really thinks so. Yeah. And then Nelson Aguilar, who went double-digit touchdowns, is your main possession guy. You have a oh, lot of pieces. Man. And yeah. maybe Jay Ajayi comes on and really gives that a running game, too. Not to mention, arguably, who would have been the MVP of the league if he didn't get hurt in Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the Eagles... Uh... I think the Eagles have a couple short-term guys that they brought on, but listen, I think they're really building building for the future, right? I mean, I think they've got enough pieces to, to contest in that league for a long time coming, uh, you know, with, with, with Carson Wentz and, and just being the being the leader of that team on and off the field. I mean, you know, what what a tremendous guy to have leading your football team, uh, you know, into the future. I mean, what, you, you couldn't really ask for a better quarterback coming into this game. And I can't really argue they're very – Few players, especially at the quarterback position right now, I would take over Carson Wentz. Very few, smallest like this. But, I mean, now, I mean, we've hit the NFC East. I almost feel like we did their primer, but that's going to be later on this month. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that division is going to be interesting to follow now that you bring up the Eagles. It is going to be an interesting division to follow for sure, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how the rest uh, of this draft pans out for those guys. 
Okay, guys, so we're winding down this episode. I think it's been a great first episode. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, man. Yeah, I guess we'll see what everybody else thinks. But uh, but listen, for our first round, I think uh, I think we've got uh, got some good content. In there. I agree, I agree. And, you know, we do need to clean it up a little bit. We'll make sure we're better going forward because this is your new favorite football podcast. But before we go, we just want to talk on the two major rule changes, if you can call them right. rule changes, right, right, right. at the NFL owner meeting this past week, week and a half. And the first one I want to talk about is the lowering the helmet. I mean, now you're talking about a player intentionally lowering the helmet, whether offensively or defensively, making contact with another player, and it could be reviewed, and that player could be, you know, eventually kicked out if the refs determine that's the case. I mean, what do you think about that, Drew? You know, I, I think that... It's a, it's an iffy one for me, you know. It's an iffy one for me. So the rule as it is right now, after the owners' meeting, right, is you know lowering the head to uh, uh, you know to initiate contact, right, is a 15 yard penalty. If it's done by a player on the defensive side of the ball, it's an automatic first down. Granted, it, granted, yeah. And players can also be disqualified. My only fear with this rule, and and, and kind of where I'm I'm always at with it, right, is the determination between and this is the players may be disqualified part right but the determination between you know if you're going to get hit by a really big guy you almost want to go a little fetal you yeah, know what I mean yeah, you almost want to tuck in especially you want to protect the ball that's something you know that has to be saying? tied yeah so you know you're going to protect the ball now you're going to try and curl up right which is what we see players do all the time and then see a little bit of helmet to helmet right but the other part of it right is now it's not even helmet to helmet right it's lowering your head to initiate mm-hmm. contact which is the next step so my only concern here, and and, and listen, Lacey, I want to know a few about this, but are are are, are teams going to have to practice this? Is this going to have to be a part of minicamp? Are we going to go through spring training practicing to not get your defense to stay on the field even longer by giving up first downs? Listen, it's going to be a trickle-down effect in multiple areas, some that I don't even think people consider. I mean, are you going to go into the NFL draft and be like, i got to watch this player because he's known for college for lowering the helmet, and now that might hurt my team if I draft him. I definitely think it's something that's going to have to be taught out of players. I mean, you're coming from one pedigree into a next, and I mean, some will get the transition easy some don't and it's not just defensively like you got the safeties crashing down in the box sometime trying to lower the boom but i mean running backs i mean you think of like this north south runners trying to gain those extra yards they sometimes initially right. go to lower yeah. their helmet just to fight for those extra yards if it's intentional now it they could be you know kicked out of the game and my biggest worry is the fact that like certain penalties you know it's a ref by ref basis one ref might kick out a player, and another ref might be like, no, I think that's okay. And now it becomes susceptible and judgmental, and that's a very gray area that I'm scared of. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that we're going to have to see how this one goes down. I just I, I, I just want to see it. You know what I mean? I want to see this try and play out, right? I want to see these adults who have been playing football in most places since Midget and Pee Wee, right? Mm-hmm, They're growing up through the high school ranks. They're growing up through college, and you've got some veteran players that are now going to have to take to this rule, which I think is a little bit bigger than some people are making it out to be, right? And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, because we've got lower in the head into the body now, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it's not just legs. It's not below the knee. It's not helmet to helmet anymore. It's, it's you can hit the body of a player, and if you are intentionally lowering your head to, to initiate contact, right? Now, listen. Your defense is still on the field because guess what? You just gave up 15 yards in automatic first down. Yeah, and it's going to be hurt. I mean, like you said, we're going to have to wait and see how it is on the field, see if it really is a big difference, or are we overblowing how important this could be? It's just, it's something we're going to have to watch, and 
I mean, overall, it's great for the health of the players. Sure. How much is going to change sure. the game? How much longer is it going to make the game? Yeah. Is it going to impact playoff teams? So we're going to have to wait and see. But it is something to keep in mind when going forward. Uh, on the other topic, the only other one we really want to talk about, the big one that's been so much controversy, especially over the past season. Wait, wait, is, big one. You're talking about no more point afters, right? Absolutely. A, no more point after. No, no, no. Right, no right, we're not right. talking about oh, point oh, oh, after. Sorry, Come sorry, on, okay. Drew. All right, all right, we're right. talking about the catch rule. <laughs> oh, the catch rule. You telling course, me, you, you know, the catch rule didn't bring you some heartache this past season? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, Dez is still wasn't a catch. Oh, my God. Uh, here we so, go. Uh, I don't care about this new craft rule. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, of course, you know, and that's another one, right? They they're, they're trying to break it down, right? Trying to break it down, trying to make it easy to understand for for players, for coaches, for fans, and, and they they work into three steps, right? And those three, three steps, steps, you're right. Yep, the the steps are possession. Uh-huh. You have to have possession first of all. Control the ball. Two feet. You got to get two feet down. That's rule number two. So those haven't really changed. The third rule is a football move still, which people are sometimes confused about, and is a gray area. They they said a third move, a football move, could be a third step. Any other part of your body touching the ground, you know, forearm, knee, like it always has been, reaching, diving, lunging out to cross the goal line. So that Jesse Bates, Jesse James touchdown would still count for the Steelers. It is no sure. longer that if you hit the field, it's an incomplete pass. It'll either be a catch or if you actually lose possession, a fumble. But there is no more, oh, it was an incomplete pass because you didn't maintain possession. So I think in that, it's better. It'll make fans happier. It's just, is it still cleared up enough, or does the football move still add, like, what, what, is, what is a catch? Yeah, I think, that, <clears throat> I think that what we have to look at here, right, is the football move. So as they, they broke it down to the three parts of the football move, like you said, okay, or the third step, right, reaching or extending the ball, mm-hmm. right, in order to attempt to gain additional yards, right, yep. or gain points, yep. which would be obviously reaching for the goal line. Or right? an additional body part. Those are the three big. It could be other smaller ones, but those are the three big ones, yes. Right. But, but the best part is they encapsulate the rule – with it, in the end, as per the rule, as it's been initiated in, into uh, official league officiating uh, standards, is or the ability to perform such an act. Okay, so there you go again. Right? There you go again. Again, yeah. you're throwing something out there that's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. We, we th- that's like kind of like in your job description at your work, right? Where where it puts at the end at and the all end. other and all other duties assigned by like, your manager. Yeah, you're absolutely you know right. I mean? Yeah. So this is like that other spot where you know you know what I feel like that is. I feel like that is a hey. We're probably going to get this wrong, so when we do, we're going to have this in here just so we can cover some officials and so we can save face at the officiating side of the game. And and I think that just leaving that in there is like opening – I don't know. I mean I understand there's got to be something there, but – or the ability to perform such an act – is again open to interpretation. We're still going to have coaches yelling at refs on the sideline. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we're still going to have people still confused. Uh, and listen, maybe it's something we just got to play out for a season and just see what happens. I, I think similar to the lower in the head. And um, but uh, but overall, listen, I think it could be a good move. I think there's more transparency now. I think you'd agree than absolutely. there ever has yep. been with the rule, yep. which I'm glad. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we'll see what happens there. All right. I mean, I believe. It's a welcoming sign. It's a little bit easier for fans, um, uh, if not for teams themselves, because they half the time the players don't even know what classified as a catch or not. And you're playing the sport. That's mind-blowing to me. Um, I do think it's a little bit easier. Uh, is it still a gray area? Is there still 
Is it going to make a difference? I don't really know. I'm just glad that maintaining possession to the ground is no longer an incomplete pass. It'll either be a catch or a fumble. I am glad about that. Um, the owners seem to have liked it. They passed that rule 32 none yeah, when they yes. passed it. Yeah. But I guarantee you, there's a good chance next year in the NFL owner meeting, we're going to be talking about it again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just quick question before we let this segment out in this episode. I want to know, would you prefer to, if it was just cut and dry, two hands possession, two feet? catch? Sorry, catch and possession and two feet down. Is that all you would want for a catch? Uh, you know, that's where it's scary. I, 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 I almost think that... Oh, man, you threw that one on me. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to imagine, right? It's hard to imagine because who is to say, okay, you're a receiver. You're coming down with the ball. You just barely get <clears throat> you barely get your feet even on the ground. Okay, you don't even move. You make no moves at all, right? You're a defender. You come up. You pop the ball, right? Now, it, under that presence, you, you got a fumble on your hands. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think we'd see a dramatic increase in fumbles. I I think we would see a tremendous increase in fumbles. We'd see a lot of stat padding. You know, no, I think that, uh, yeah, I think think you got to have something. I think there's got to be a third step. I think there's got to be a third step. I mean, I can't really argue with that. I do think there needs to be more, but what's that more? Guys, we want to hear from you. We want to know how you feel. Is it a different in the rule changes at all? Or is it the same, you know, nonsense that they've been feeding us? Um, do you like the rule changes or anything or whatever else you want to talk about? So let us know. Hit us up in our comments on our Twitter handle, number two couches, number one coach. And, you know, let us know what you think. Reverse that. Reverse that. Two coaches. One I really have a problem with this episode, you don't know, I? You Drew? do, you do. Yeah, I think it's a little dyslexic. Yeah, maybe it is. Let's, let's so, not hope so. So, two coaches, one couch. Um, it is the Couch Coaches on Twitter. Absolutely. Um, so check us out. Well, I'm personally curious on on just that question. I want some feedback if you guys can. So, two feet is two feet enough for a catch. Is two feet enough for a catch? Two feet in possession, or two do you think there's possession. a third third rule needed that that we have right now? Yeah. Let us know. Until next time, guys. See you guys later. See you.